Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Sound. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little. Boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to Sound, sound Matters. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Sound Matters, a podcast made possible by Bang and Olufsen. This time, a story. A story about a river. A very special river. It's the river you can hear flowing in the background, through a forest somewhere in New Zealand. The river you can hear is the Wanganui River. This recording was made recently by this woman. My name is Rege, Rege Holt, and um, I'm a Danish audio storyteller, documentary maker. Rege Holt has spent a lifetime making documentaries and stories in sound. Documentaries and stories in sound that are full of characters, places, events. But almost always in her work there are also the sounds of nature. I like stories that have this echo-centric quality, where it's not necessarily humans that are in the middle, uh, where, where, there's, um, where nature plays a part. I've always had, since I was a kid, I've always had this feeling that nature sort of reflected itself into me. Um, I, I would feel like a mountain, I would feel like a lake, I would feel like a tree. And I've had since early childhood sort of very strong sensory experiences from nature. I think sound is fluid, it's spacious like nature is. So there's something, there's always been something about working with sound that mirrors this perception I have of the world and that mirrors nature and can connect them like they sometimes in sort of pristine moments also connect within me uh, emotionally or as ideas. It's something that affects you when you're there. So how can you tell a story where, where that comes across? Where it's not just a backdrop or a pretty picture, but it's actually a strong force, a character almost in the story. Regerhard's documentaries and stories come from very remote places, very often. Places like the far north of Canada, Greenland, places all around Scandinavia and across the North Atlantic Islands. But her latest project takes her back to a place where she spent time growing up. I've just started working on a project uh, actually it's a lie I, I feel like I've been working on it for a long time I've wanted to work on it and it's been on my mind it's a project about the Wanganui River it flows from the centre of the North Island um, of New Zealand to the coast to the Tasman Sea 300 kilometres or so the river is special to me because I grew up in New Zealand and we lived by this river and uh, my family immigrated to New Zealand in the 70s and we lived in, in Wanganui, which is the town that where the river flows into the sea, an old trading station built by European settlers. So for me, it's, it's personally special. 
And then I learned that Monganui River had gained legal status as a as a human entity, which means that it has the rights and duties and liabilities of a legal person. The Wanganui River, now a legal person, a legal entity. One of the first natural places in the world to be given this sort of legal standing. Accepting a river as a legal person presents many challenges to the way we think about the world. And it presents challenges to a documentary maker. How can a documentary portray the river itself as a character, as a person, as an entity? Where do you begin? Did you know that the river is a human being to us? We've always had that saying, from the mountain to the sea, I am the river, the river is me. So how do you tell a story where the, where the river is the main, the centre? I'm, I'm not sure how to do that practically, you know. How do I connect with the river and, and figure out what it wants to say? Perhaps the best place to start, the only thing to do, is to go to the river itself, get in a canoe and start paddling. Then start recording and perhaps most importantly, start listening. To portray something like this, it's important to sort of spend some time where you, where you, um, are not being an efficient storyteller somehow, but just sort of giving into the landscape and being overwhelmed by it. Yeah, so I went down the river in a canoe with a young woman, a guide, a cultural guide. She's Maori and she grew up on the river. And Maki, I, I asked her, you know, are there many rapids? And she said, like, in this underplayed way, yeah, I think so, you know. <laughs> and, and will we turn over? Maybe. The first day I was... I was trying to record, but also preparing myself for these huge rapids that I thought would come. They weren't that bad, but some of them were tricky, you know. So the first time I, I, I took out my, my um, recorder that day was on a long stretch where, where, the, where the banks rose like 100 meters straight into the air and they were just full of um, trees and flowers and birds and the soundscape there was just amazing.
And for a long time, it just felt like we were going into this wonderful no car, no people land. And I think that's where I, I listened, really listened for the first time uh, on that day. Just heard the soundscape. like concert the most amazing concert hall and I just sat there and recorded the first night we slept there I didn't sleep at all there were so many sounds and uh, and they changed all the time as much as I love nature I'm also I'm also overwhelmed by it and uh, and frightened by it and and if you're in the middle of some forest where it's there's no people there's no phone connections you know all these things aren't there and you're just there with you're just there with yourself in a little tent and this huge sonic landscape and this place which has soul and it's full of myths and stories. It just sort of... It's very intense, I think, to be there. And I, I felt that that night when I slept there. The first night I slept there, I was just awake, listening, and lots of thoughts and dreams, half-asleep half dreams. Every time, every day, when we would go on the river... Maki, my guide, she would, she really spoke about the river as a being and she greeted it every morning. She would take a fern leaf and uh, and sort of sweep sweep it into the river. She sort of put her finger to her mouth when I wanted to ask, why did you do this? You know, and she was like, Shh. and I could ask later. But at that moment, it was really important to just be there and acknowledge it. I'm saying a prayer for safe journeys for the day. We try with all our might to keep the river healthy because if the river's healthy, the people will be healthy. And is it not healthy? Um, no, because of the, the dams, the pollution, the farm runoffs. Um, yeah, all of that contributes to the sadness of the river. Every rock has a name there, every turn has a name, every rapid has a name. And it's just infused with memory and culture. Every stream that rolls into it has stories and history. Every inch of coming down the river, every twist and turn on it has a, a story to it of what happened there all the way through history, hundreds of years of history. I've reconnected with, um, with my family's old friends a Maori family that that we became very good friends with. The mother of this family is now in her 70s and she's been appointed as one of two um, 
spokespersons for this river, the Wanganui River. She's been a politician since the 70s, and uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it's someone I knew as a child, and now she's she's the voice of the river, or one of two voices of the river. So all decisions concerning the river goes through her. When I went into Parliament, the old people took me to the river, and they took me into the river to stand in the water while they said karakia, while they talked to our old people, to our ancestors, about me going into Parliament to represent the people. And then whenever anything went wrong, they would ring me at four in the morning usually and ask me to come to the river. And they would take me back into the river because they never wanted me to forget that in the end, that's who I represented. So when, when I was asked to be the Tupua, to be the voice to protect the river, it is probably the greatest honour I could have ever, ever been given in my lifetime. I am the river, the river is me. It used to be much deeper, the river, many years ago. Even as I was, when I was there as a kid, there was much more water in it, but this, um, this hydroelectric plant has deterred a lot of water, so the levels have become much lower. We are the our people, we are the river people. We always go to the river. They pushed us back, pushed us back and took over our land because they had guns and we never. A lot of them didn't survive because they didn't have the means, but when we did start surviving, all these communities came up, all these places. Before the European settlers came, it was the most intensely populated uh, place in New Zealand. Um, up this river, a lot of tribes lived up this river. And and then when the European settlers came, there was like lots of um, conflicts, I suppose, and there still is, but this, this new status of the river is sort of the conclusion for now, or, or the result of a long, long, long battle to, to regain the river in some way, to regain the land and to regain the way of treating the river as a, as a being. A river that once upon a time formed the backdrop to a happy childhood and which now has grown to represent not only a natural wonder but a political struggle and a level of political, environmental and even emotional complexity that demands every skill in an audio documentarist's handbook. If Weike is going to even get close to what she can call a worthy telling of this river's story. But on a simpler and more personal level, Rekka's time on the river also came to connect her with her childhood in another way. I kept thinking I wanted to record sounds for my dad. He loved the river and he built a boat and we sailed it. And he had an accident um, some years ago, where, which means that he's, he's bound to a wheelchair now. 
and sound is really, really relieving for him. It really gives him... He just relaxes and he takes it in, you know. So I, I was actually thinking about that a lot of the time that I would record this for him, these first sounds. I would record long stretches for him and and just make a, a playlist of sounds from, from the Wanganui River for him to, to listen to. Returning home after a journey down the first river ever to be recognized as a legal person is just the beginning for Rekke Hout. So what I did was I came back with lots of research material and recordings and now I'm trying to find funding to go back. I think I just had a tiny little taste of, of what that river is and what it can do. There is no roadmap, no pre-prepared recipe for how to create a story and let a river talk. And as far as Rega Howard is concerned, that's just the way it ought to be. The method I need to use is one where, where I don't have a clue, where I'll lose control, where I have a simple set of recording equipment that doesn't take over situations, but where I can just be there and flow with the river and sort of be overwhelmed by it. That's one part of it. And then I hope you'll hear the place and, and this lush soundscape. And uh, I hope you'll hear the, the, the softness of the river when it flows on a really sunny day and also the the, the, the strength of it and the overwhelmingness of it and, and the dangers of it. I hope you'll meet it in many forms. It, I don't want it to be full of reflections about this. I just want it to be like a river is. I want the peace to be. as a flow, a river movie, a sonic river movie. And that's all we have time for in this edition of Sound Matters. So while you wait for Rekka Hout to create the world's first sonic river movie, you can find out much more about her and her work through her website, which is reikehaud.dk. That's R-I-K-K-E-H-O-U-D dot D-K. A huge thank you to Rega for allowing us to preview some of her recordings from the Wanganui River. And, of course, we should also say thank you to the Wanganui River itself. This edition of Sound Matters was written and produced by me. My name is Tim Hinman, with some editing help from Ola Fool. Executive production, as ever, was by Nathaniel Buzinski for Bang & Olufsen, and it is, of course, Bang & Olufsen who make this whole podcast possible. You can find out much more about them at bang-olufsen.com. Until next time, goodbye.
Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little. Boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to sound. Sound matters.